Numbered Days by Corey Madden. To be an artist is to seek refuge in the imaginary, to conjure it and shape it so that it expresses the ineffable, the confounding, the unimaginable. For artists, the question of belief is answered by the persistence of our imaginations. This is the way we seek God. Part 1. Youthful Folly. Eching 4. I was in a wonderful marriage for 13 years. Now I am a widow. I loved my husband day by day and lost him in the same way, day by day by day. This is our story. Day 430. Youthful folly, the I Ching spoke when we bought this big house and garden two years ago. We filled the place with gifts to ourselves, rugs, art, instruments. It was your American house and our victory lap. You are asleep now. I sit nearby listening to you breathe. I stare at the mantle above the fireplace and realize it's become an altar. At the center of this altar is a portrait of us that your mother painted. In it, I am in my wedding dress looking away from you, and you are at the center emerging from the shadows, your love radiating through and beyond me to the viewer. In front of the painting are a ceramic vase shaped like an urn, a crystal casket with vintage wedding rings inside, and an articulated wooden hand posed in a saint's blessing. Assembled over many months, they now have a prophetic quality. What can I do to protect us? Nothing, it seems. Everything casts a shadow. It's inevitable. Everything has a little bit of death in it. But there is more life in us than death. That's the secret I have to share. Day one, Friday, a busy one, as usual. I'm Corey, by the way. Here's your coffee, my love. Thanks, sweetie. That's Bruno. He's a composer and sound designer. I'm a director and writer, and this has been our morning routine for as long as we've been together. Wake up early to get some creative work in before we head off to our day jobs. Bruno's a professor at an arts conservatory, and I run an arts nonprofit, but we both wake up every day wanting to create. Honey, can I ask you something? Bruno? Honey? What? It'll only take a minute. I have to get this done before class. Be nice. I am. <laughs> Is two days enough for tech? For what? For tech. I can make two days work. I know you can, but wouldn't it be better if we started on Thursday? You need the extra time. I need it. Bruno? Honey? We Honey. can make it work. Oh, <laughs> We can <laughs> You're make not it work. okay. You win. <gasps> Ooh, I gotta get into the shower. Hey, I, I'm seeing hey, Misra today. Hey, do you want to eat out tonight or have friends over? I should be home by four, eh? Misra? Yeah, it's the upper GI doc. Everything okay? 
Oh, I'm gonna be late. Honey, it's early. I gotta get to school. Well, I'll okay, talk to you later then. Love you. How do you explain why that was a perfect morning? Why two people are perfect for each other? I can't. It's a mystery. Even now. Go ahead. Try. Um, he's compulsively early. I always run late. I keep my car pristine. His is a wreck. I buy nice clothes. He wears black t-shirts and blue jeans. He's hairy. I am not. He calls me his sporty girl, but he's the one who skis the black diamond trails and has amazing thighs. He says I have great thighs, too. He plays guitar, mandolin, banjo, viola, fiddle, piano. I'm embarrassed to sing in public. He's fluent in English, Spanish, and French. Moi, no mucho. He has this adorable Frexican accent that I love to tease him about. Eh, no teasing. None of this explains why we love each other so much. I could go on, but I'd just be putting off the inevitable. That afternoon, Bruno came to see me. Dr. Misra. A gastroenterologist. History of acid reflux for how long? Uh, 30 years. While I was meeting with my collaborator and friend Rob, I'd driven over to Chapel Hill to meet at his house. It was a beautiful day, and we were on his screened-in porch chatting about a book proposal that we've been trying Trouble to finish for two, for how long? actually three, three years when... I'm afraid that your biopsy results confirm that... Hello? I don't remember anything Bruno said, except... Cancer. Esophageal. Stage three. And? Come home. Bruno has cancer. (sighs) Once you say those words, that's it. One life is over. Wait. This is why I love him. His warmth, his loyalty, his heart... His art, his amazing mind, his passion for learning and music, his devotion to his students, friends, his mom, our sons, and me, and so much more. Day two. What do we do now? Hold each other. Cry, talk, worry. Don't tell me the stats. Okay. Decide who to call. My brother, Patrick. My brother, Martin. My son, Irwan. And my sons, Nick and Ezra. No one at the university. You have to tell your dean. HR? That's it. Your mom? No, not yet. Bruno, we haven't finished. The I Ching counsels. There are three ways to respond to setbacks. Force something and experience the consequences. Give up and certainly lose. Or wait until a greater truth reveals itself. Only one promises grace. So, guys, this is an aggressive cancer. So... Our protocol is to do six sessions of chemo and 24 sessions of radiation. Before the surgery. To try and shrink the tumor. Then we surgically remove the cancer and the esophagus and remake it with portions of your stomach. And after that, hopefully, you'll be cancer-free. Um, that's it? Well, 
the immediate post-surgical recovery can be an issue. Heart and lung issues. Secondary infection. Renal failure. I mean, a lot of patients are very compromised when they come in. But Bruno's strong and otherwise healthy, so... So, if his recovery goes well... We send, send him, him home. home. With a feeding tube, of course. And wait and see if... If... If he remains cancer-free. And the chances of that are... Look, I won't lie. It's a tough, tough surgery. But your chances are... Good. Reasonably good. Cheryl, where's my calendar? So... When would you like me to schedule your surgery? Never. Never, ever. What an asshole. Agreed. What, what now? I call in favors. This is my husband, and he can't die. We go to meet with the head of the cancer center at Duke. Tommy Abruzzo. Great guy. And an expert in this surgery. And his PA Fiona, equally great. Good to meet you both. Tommy is very tall. Very reassuring. Bruno, you and I both have our work cut out for us. Are you willing to do your part? Because I am. Honest, calm, optimistic. Bruno, on the other hand, has taken my advice to be friendly with his doctors to the extreme. Fiona tells me you're a composer. Bruno is bouncing off the walls, telling Tommy stories of... My life, my music, my teaching, France, uh, Mexico. Sweetie, sweetie. I worry that Tommy and Fiona will think we're both crazy artists, but without hesitating, Tommy... Agrees to do Bruno's surgery in May. And Fiona says she is... Happy to talk with either of you anytime. <sighs> Wonderful to meet you. Thank you. Well, that was... Don't try to control me. Let me talk if I want to talk. Bruno, I was... Let's I... go. We can't go. We're stranded. See, this is where we live now. In purgatory. Cancer Island, we call it. Day 30. For the next six weeks, we juggle work and teaching with Bruno's chemo and radiation appointments while also rehearsing a brand new play we've been developing for three years. No biggie, right? Ah. I work half a day, then rehearse in the afternoon while Bruno teaches, then drives himself to radiation appointments. At night, we both come home exhausted. Bruno lies on the couch while I fix dinner, then we zone out watching Netflix and go to bed. Why? Why did we put ourselves through all this? Because... El show debe continuar! We had no other choice. Or so it seemed. It was the two of us against fate. But then somehow, without even asking, a circle of friends and family formed around us. Our collaborator and dear friend, Elena. Amy and Patrick. Ezra and Ashling, Lark and Annie. Julian, Susan, Kat and Matt. Lauren and Nick, Sunny, Candy, Linda, who brought me ice lattes. John, who baked pot brownies. Muchas gracias, hombre. Don't forget Liza, our stage manager. Who always wanted to know. How are you two holding up? I'm fried. I'm fine. I've got this. Go home. I don't know whether it's because I am so tired or so 
terrified, but I feel as if I'm living in two worlds at once. In one, I am helpless to change the outcome. In the other, I am determined to do everything I can to save Bruno. Our friend Beth comes every week to do Reiki with Bruno. Breathe deep and release. And Bruno completes chemo and radiation in amazingly good shape. And somehow we open the play. Oh, you did it, everyone. Well done. <laughs> Afterwards, we collapse into bed together. This is our safe place. Uh, don't. Don't put your hand there. Sorry. H- how about this? I need to sit up. Oh, okay. He is my soul's companion. And I can only hold his hand and hope. I'm not afraid to die. Hope that fate. But I want to live. Goes our way. Nights are the worst for me. Despite being exhausted, I can't sleep. I am compelled to do research. The stats are terrible. The surgery alone has a 50% mortality rate. 18% of people with this cancer are alive five years later. My sister-in-law is a nurse practitioner, and I can tell from her voice that I don't even want to say it. Maybe there's a clinical trial somewhere he can get into. I want to believe he can get through this, but I am filled with doubt. Day 84, our GP Patty calls me in to see her. Here's the bad news, Corey. You can't personally cure cancer, but you can ruin your own health trying. It's called hypervigilance. It's a form of anxiety bordering on PTSD. I don't have PTSD. High levels of arousal? Constant scanning of the environment for threat? Okay, well, I'm definitely under stress, and I need to sleep. Let's get you on Ambien. No, no, not Ambien. You may also be depressed. Have you heard of anticipatory mourning? Now, I want you to know I don't mean Bruno's gonna die, but you're experiencing loss. Hearing this actually cheered me up. Anticipatory mourning was exactly what I was experiencing. And feeling incredibly guilty about how Can I be in mourning when Bruno hasn't even had surgery? But it's as if I lost my husband the day we got the diagnosis, and I don't know if I will ever get him back. Don't give up hope. (sighs) Something about that word in this context made me feel less hopeful. Here you go, dear. Take care. Drugs are not what I need. I need to feel this. I FaceTime Peter, my therapist back in California. Peter, everyone says, stay positive, believe in a cure. We've met survivors, but I just can't seem to... I need to find some way to have hope. 
Hope for healing. What do you mean by healing? You don't cure cancer. It can go away, and people say they are cured. But once you have cancer, you have to learn to live with it. I don't want to live with it. I want it to go away and never come back. <sighs> Healing is about more than medicine. It's the path you and Bruno create through this. This is your life now, and every day is precious. Why don't you make art out of this? I don't know. Isn't making art what you both love to do? Uh-huh. Then I have hope you will. Day 90. Peter encouraged me to make art, and here's what I can manage. Move my thumb across the iPhone screen, typing exactly what is happening now. <laughs> Bruno clears his throat, and I check to make sure he is not dying. Of course he's not dying, because I am charged with keeping him alive. Who knew worry was a superpower? It's not, but my love for him might be. That was the first poem I wrote, but soon writing became my refuge. To be in the moment and to transcend it, to experience Bruno's and my fate unfold, to find hope. I numbered the days with no idea how many days we'd have to endure this or how few we might have left. Here is what I wrote on day 93. Last night, we checked into the hotel. And set our alarms for 4.30. This morning, you shower and scrub yourself with Betadine, then dress simply, handing me your phone, wallet, and keys for safekeeping. We walk. Two blocks to the hospital, making our way along empty halls to the new surgical pavilion. Four floors of state-of-the-art operating rooms where robots called Da Vinci assist the best-trained surgeons in the world. We exit the elevator. Holding hands and marvel at the spectacular waiting area they've built. Millions invested in high-end upholstery, soaring plate glass, and remarkably good art. I am grateful for the comfort this extravagance conveys. We approach a reception desk where a kind-eyed and elderly gentleman Ask for your date of birth, and not surprisingly, mispronounces your last name. As I joke with him about the variations I've heard, I try to get my bearings. To my left are consultation rooms, soundproof, I notice. My gut turns, imagining the conversation I'll have in one later today. To my right, I see swinging double doors behind which hundreds of nurses and doctors prep for their day of precision carnage. I cannot imagine how you will survive this surgery, but Tommy has promised you will. We barely have time to sit. When they call my name. Your name. Our kiss is fleeting, too. I ask the kind-eyed gentleman what to expect. He consults a page in a thick notebook. Uh, your husband's surgery is scheduled to take 300 minutes. 
Then he hands me a black disc with blinking red lights. Once the surgery commences, this beeper will vibrate. And after that, it will beep every 90 minutes. Each time it beeps, you can check back at this desk for a status update. Left with these instructions and little else, I wander through this cathedral of pain to find a quiet place to write and wait for what comes next. <laughs> 